the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Eye on Real Estate on AM 970. The answer. This is Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. From the heart of New York City and the tri-state area to the most active real estate hotspots across America. Keeping you plugged in to the latest real estate market trends. From mortgage news and legal developments to everything you need to know about buying or selling a property. Benefited by the advice of the experts. Now, here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. We're back, and boy, does time fly. We're in our second hour of Eye on Real Estate, and I'm here with our legal expert, Stephen Eberg. And, you know, we're going to start talking about, I don't know how many of you remember, but last year, I think it was around this time, um, there was a condo in Miami. It was called the Surfside Condo, and it collapsed. Um, And Stephen's here to tell you the latest findings on what's going on with that. And what you should look at with construction of condos, because it's hard to do that. It's not like a residential house. Stephen, what's the latest update on that? Yeah, Dottie. So the Surfside tragedy happened about 11 months ago in Miami. And what it turned out was that there were certain major defects that were left and maintenance was not being provided. And there was um, breakage in the concrete, water in there, rusting. And it led to a collapse. And they're not 100% sure why. There was a construction site next door, which may have caused some vibration, um, which could have also been a catalyst, too, because concrete rarely suddenly collapses. It's sort of a slow degradation. Um, but wanted to talk about some of the me- recent developments and also things that you could consider when looking to make an investment in a multiple dwelling. Um, there was a uh, judgment. Um, a settlement, let me rather, uh, of just under $1 billion. Now, this is going to be set aside for all the victims and the families. So what's happening is that this million, this billion dollars set aside, now what happens is families of people who were either injured or, or killed in the tragedy will put in an impact statement. And, and what happens is, you know, not every family is going to get the same amount. It's not going to be, you know, divide by the number of people killed or divide by the number of people who are injured. But rather, um, these settlements work on age and economic impact. So, for example, the range of those um, who were killed in the tragedy went from a one-year-old to um, a lady in her 90s. And so depending upon your age, depending upon if you're working and so forth, there will be um, a payout, and that's being that process is starting right now. Um, separately, there is an $83 million fund set aside for economic loss, right? You separately lost your personal property. You lost your apartment. And there were about 50 apartments in the building. So if you're doing the math on that, you know, you're really talking about uh, a little over $1.5 million on average per apartment. 
And now there's a discussion to maybe tweak those numbers and up that a little bit more. Uh, of course, you have insurance too. So this is part of the whole debate that's going on right now of valuation and, and how to you know, settle payments. And I think it's very important because this in many ways could be precedent setting. So a lot of people are watching exactly how this negotiation is happening. Now, Stephen, if you're buying, it's not like a residential house where you have an engineer come and go through the house with you. When you're buying in a multifamily building like in the city or in Miami, like you're not going to have an engineer's report on the building. So how, how do you determine how do you what what do you look for or do you yeah so there so there's a lot of things and there's no one perfect solution on it so let me get through sort of a list of items to consider number one geography makes a difference right so if we're comparing you know beachside in miami versus midtown manhattan one thing that you're going to have is that water and particularly salt water is highly corrosive and so one, understand the local neighborhood that you're buying into. Certain areas have different issues that can uh, impact the real estate. So beachfront communities with corrosion, obviously areas that are more prone to earthquakes, for example, you know, things like that. Understand the local nature because, and make sure that it's being built appropriately. The second thing to keep in mind is the age of the building. Construction standards have varied over time, and it's a little bit of a roller coaster, right? You know, certain buildings that are very old could be better than maybe something built in a one-time period, but they're better again now, right? So eras definitely matter, and under understand that upkeep. The other thing is where do you but Stephen, where where do you find this out? Well, this is where it's having a, a very good experienced team, right? So if you're if you're looking to buy this is where having your team of your attorney and your real estate agent actually understanding what's going on. And it's going to depend on the local standards of the community, right? In some parts of the country, real estate agents are maybe doing more or less depending upon the customs of how a closing is conducted and what's expected for information to look at. Um, some of these things, other things are generated inside of a title report. Um, if let's say there are health code violations, things like that. Um, but let me give you a few more things also to keep in mind. Now, this again varies state by state. Some states actually have laws on the books that require the condo association to have an inspection report, to have a certification, and to make sure that their building has a capital plan to make sure they're maintaining the building. Some states do not have such a law, and they just defer to the condo board and also um, their management company, their superintendent. So you can really see a wide variance in how maintenance is legally required to be disclosed. And that's very important to keep in mind. Now, so you're saying there's not one standard, right? I mean, in other words, not there's, at all. there's not. Okay. So let me, yeah, let me compare what New York does, for example, would be illegal in California. So in New York... Why? The law gives deference to condo boards. Basically, it says, look, when it comes to capital maintenance plan, we don't require a capital maintenance plan to be put together. California does. Now, to be fair, New York does have other laws, right? 
you got to get your boiler inspected. You got to get your elevator inspected and signed off by the local inspector. Right, every five years we have local law 11. You know, that's why you see all the scaffolding around buildings to make sure that there's no bricks or stones that will fall off. So, you know, the approach is different, right? It's very specific action item versus having just an outside vendor come in, do a whole building inspection and say, here's a checklist of all the things you need to do. You know, so it's put together in a different way. Um, so, and Stephen, you wouldn't you say, you know, miss certain things. Wouldn't you say, because I know Florida does not require you have an attorney, wouldn't you say that it is imperative, I don't care where you're buying and what their law is, that you have a good real estate, a real estate attorney as part of your deal? Well, absolutely, and I'll give you a great example. This is where if we had attorneys on transactions in Miami, maybe Surfside would have been a little bit different. Let me explain what I mean by that. Um, in New York, when I'm representing a buyer, we're looking at a variety of things, including financials, budgets, and also board meeting minutes. Okay. Um, in other states, like Florida, where attorneys really aren't involved, people aren't really looking at that stuff. And it's, it's interesting. When I have clients who buy out of state and say, I don't care, I want what you do in New York on my purchase, and I've done it in multiple states around the country. Um, they're like, oh, never, nobody ever looks at that. Well, there were issues for years on the maintenance. I mean, there were people who were called in and said, work needs to be done, like serious work. And if you looked in the minutes, you would have seen that the building was talking about an expenditure of $15 million just to basically shore up the structural defects in the building. If you have so there were warnings off the street... Well, warning signs were there, but they weren't obvious, right? It wasn't like somebody had a neon sign, dear, dear buyer, if you think of this building, we need to spend at least $15 million so it doesn't collapse, right? You're not going to have that warning sign out there. And it's really not on the real estate agents to go in and say, give me your building minutes. Let me read them and give a, a, you know, and give a summary to a buyer. I don't think it's fair to put that burden on a real estate agent, that that's not really what they're trained for or what to look for. There's not and so what happens is, No, it wouldn't be fair. So what happens is there's a gap, right? If you think about it for a second, there is a gap that attorneys fill in New York um, and in other states too, New Jersey, parts of Connecticut, South Carolina, um, but not everywhere, right? Where if you think about it, the bank gives you the money, right? They give you your loan for the property. The real estate agent is to help you find the property that's appropriate, help you put together an offer, help you negotiate the business terms of the deal. And then the title company is to make sure that your ownership is there, right? That you're the owner, not somebody else. That the seller's mortgage has been paid off and you have it free and clear or the tax are paid current. But if you look around the country, there's a huge portion of the title report that's informational. And I look, Dottie, I look at title reports all around the country. In the last week, I've looked at reports in New York, New Jersey, North Carolina, South Carolina, California, Florida. They're not all put together the same way. And so you're going to see different levels of information that's in those reports. And so what happens is if everybody's doing their job, who's the person quarterbacking the transaction to make sure those gaps are filled in? 
and, and that's a very important role. And um, and there, and there's a gap there. And so, look, do I think doesn't mean that attorneys solve all problems, but if your prospective buyer looking to buy in Surfside two years ago, and that everything was the same except that property was in New York instead of Florida. Well, you would have had a competent attorney who, if they're doing their job, would have read those minutes and would have said, buyer, there's a problem here. They've been talking about for a few years that they need to do a $15 million emergency repair to, to shore up this concrete. We have rusting rebar. You know, when you see rust in a concrete building, what that means is that there are cracks in the concrete because concrete does, itself doesn't really rust. And that water is getting in, and the rebar, the steel supports, water is sitting there, and it is rusting, and rusting is a degradation of the support, right? So that's been going on for years in that building. And so, you know, if somebody read, they're in the minutes there. So if somebody was reading that, they would have saved the buyer, and they also would have alerted management further and said, what are you doing here? Um, right. So... Those are some of the things there. And, and I want to make one last point um, on home inspections. When you're buying a building, when you're buying a house, um, unless if you're a, an investor who plans on guess knocking it down, um, you're going to do an inspection. You get a right. licensed home inspector or an engineer. Um, and there are a few differences between the two. Generally speaking, when people buy an apartment, they don't get an inspector. But there's no law that says you can't get one. If you have a concern, speak up. Speak up before you buy. And while it is not common, um, you know, you're talking single-digit percentage, I've had some clients who say, look, I like to overdo my due diligence. I'm not a troublemaker, but I just want to make sure I don't have a headache. I want a home inspector, and by the way, I want, the, I want my inspector to talk to the building superintendent before they come in. And so they can look at the mechanical rooms, the roof, et cetera, because there is slippage on money. You know, what's interesting, Dottie, if I have a client buying in a small building, let's say a six-unit condo, right, that kind of feels more like a house than like a big 200-apartment building. And in those cases, we'll have inspectors go on the roof because if there's six apartments, right, you could be, you know, close to 20% on the hook, if you have to put in a new roof, that, that can be expensive. So you need to ha- know that it's not a one-size-fits-all. Um, no, and you also need to know that that is why I tell everyone, do not try to take shortcuts or try to save money on using your son-in-law, who's a divorce attorney, and is not a real estate attorney who knows everything about real estate like yourself, okay, because... That's not going to be their expertise either. A hundred percent. You know, and the thing is this, this is where it's tougher for the consumer. Um, but with the exception of patent law, when you get your law license and you're sworn into the bar, you're an attorney. And there are ethical rules an attorney should not take a case that they don't have the competence and infrastructure and experience to do. But it's up to the attorney to have, they, the attorneys have discretion. You're an attorney. So the consumer needs to do a little bit of the research and say, hey, how many real estate transactions have you done in the last year and the last decade? You know, and if somebody says, well, you know, I did one this year and I did two in the last 10 years, 
you're going to know what you're going to get. Um, and look, and this is why attorneys, you know, want to be, be sometimes in firms and have those other areas. You know, with doctors, it's easier. Oh, I can say I'm a board certified dermatologist. Okay, great. We know that we're, we're dealing with a skin doctor. Great. We, we understand that. Um, law is a little trickier for, you know, the average consumer. And especially a lot of people when they're buying residential, maybe they haven't hired an attorney before. So they don't really know what to expect. Um, but ask the questions. Yeah, that's the most important thing. Um, and look, and there are also question, other signs, Dottie. Mm-hmm. When you're asking, of course, you can ask your broker, uh, who usually works with a group of real estate attorneys. But what questions would a consumer, when they're interviewing an attorney as yourself, what you know, and they're looking to buy a multifamily building, or just to what, what kind of questions would you suggest they ask? Sure. Um, I think there's a whole bunch. I think the first off is what do you focus in on with your practice, right? Are you focusing, is real estate mainly what you do or do you do a lot of different things? Are you part of a firm or are you by yourself? Um, What kind of support staff? And who do I expect to be communicating with? Am I going to have to go through one or two layers every single time to talk to you? What, what's your, are, are you in a hands-off supervisor or are you directly engaged, right? Those are a few key questions to start with on a most elementary level. But then you got to dig deeper. How many times do you hear about cyber hacking these days and identity theft? All the time. In real estate, all, it's all the time. In real estate, you have a tremendous amount of data. In fact, if you look at the statistics, um, you're going to see that real estate is the number one industry uh, that's under attack by uh, cyber hackers. Secondly, you look at industrial espionage and a lot in the bio and pharmaceutical areas um, and technology. But real estate's first because these are quick transactions, relatively speaking. You know, all of a sudden somebody says, I got an accepted offer, I need an attorney. Okay, last week you never heard of each other, this week you're talking every day, right? And then you're getting people's driver's licenses or passports. You're getting their social security numbers, bank accounts, money is flying around. So wait a minute. If I'm going to send a wire of $100,000, right, typically you wire a 10% deposit. on, a, on And so if you're buying a $1 million place, you're sending a $100,000 wire. And, and you're talking about people who probably wire very rarely. All of a sudden, what kind of protocols are put in place? What kind of insurances are in place? We have a whole system in place at our firm. We have a whole system to protect data um, from a technology point of view. Uh, Also, does your attorney share office space? We don't share office space with anyone else. I mean, sometimes you have a high-tech thief, but sometimes you have a low-tech thief. Imagine if you have somebody in a WeWork and you have a shared photocopier and one of the people in the WeWork just makes a quick extra copy before the attorney walks down the hall of their driver's license. That's, it doesn't have to always be a, a high-tech scheme, right? So does the attorney share office space physically, phone, server? So there's a lot of things to protect your information that you got to be mindful of. You know, Steve, that's so true. And I don't think people really think about that so much. I really, like can't emphasize enough 
how much using someone like Steve is absolutely necessary. It is a large investment and you want to have the best team. And Steven, in my book, for the best. I don't know if we have time. I just was wondering what you think about this uh, R word. Do you think it's going to happen? Hi, Kevin McCullough. You know that the battle for the heart and mind of this country is underway. In New Jersey Congressional District 5, there is a very important race, and it is being waged by two very serious campaigns. Frank Pilata, who was the nominee last go-around, and challenger Nick DeGregario, who would like to take that mantle this time and win the seat. What will happen? Join us May 23rd from 3 to 8 p.m. at Giovanni's Bicycle Club in Englewood Cliffs, to watch a live debate, weigh in with a straw poll, and help decide who will represent you in Washington in the days to come. Of course, the winner will end up battling Josh Gottheimer for that seat, and we will bring you gavel-to-gavel coverage. 3 to 4 o'clock, we've got a live interview with each of the candidates, and then from 7 to 8 that evening, we'll be on air with a debate moderated by yours truly and representatives of both campaigns. Join us from 3 to 8, Giovanni's Bicycle Club, Inglewood Cliffs, New Jersey, and from 4 to 6, don't forget the meet and greets with the candidates and yours truly. We'll see you then. Jamie's Log. Progressive. The Harrington's Backyard. Day 11, 4.43 a.m. The tent I set up in the Harrington's Backyard to prove Progressive has 24-7 protection has a rip in it. But a little rain won't stop me. Mrs. Harrington says she totally understands 24-7 protection means 24-7. Gonna stay a few more days to make sure. It's hailing now. That's fun. Progressive doesn't just offer a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, just not literally from Jamie. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. If you love Broadway, movies, and music, then tune in to Broadway at the Russian Tea Room Sunday afternoons at 5. Host Rob Taub interviews the biggest stars, writers, and directors, plus film and theater critics, along with people behind the scenes, from doctors and fitness experts to casting directors, stagehands, and dressers. It's the only show of its kind, and it's right here on AM 970, The Answer. Who doesn't love a great dry-aged ribeye steak or a scrumptious, juicy leg of lamb? You know, cooked to perfection the way a fine restaurant serves it. You can't seem to match that great flavor of a fine restaurant steak at home, can you? Well, now you can. It starts with the quality of the cut. The answer is clear. Pat LaFreda Meat Purveyors, operating in the New York, New Jersey area, supplying fine restaurants for 100 years. LaFreda supplies over 1,600 fine restaurants daily with flaws. Flawless perfection. Lafreda serves the country's best chefs and restaurants. You can now have all the same cuts of beef, pork, and poultry delivered directly to your home from an iconic meat purveyor operating since 1922. Visit them at lafreda.com and try America's best meat. L A F R I E D A.com. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. We're back. And, uh, I'm expecting Joe London. Is Joan on the line? I'm on the line. Good morning, Joan. I am just so privileged and thrilled that you are on the show. I have been watching you forever. 
Um, and as most people know, Joan is an award-winning journalist, a best-selling author, motivational speaker, a woman's health advocate. Um, she's been a trusted voice in America's homes for more than 30 years and has seven children to boot. Joan, you have now come up with a, uh, a new book and... Um, before we get into the, the, the book, because I've read it twice already, why well, did I come into this room? Please, how do you do it all? How do I do it all? Um, yes, I'm in awe of you. I, I mean, I'm in awe. <clears throat> I would say that I'm probably just one of the more organized people that you know. That's, that's, so that's my answer logistically. But the other answer really is that um, I have a motto that I live by that I picked up somewhere along the way, which is whenever anyone asks if you can do something, just say yes and then figure out how to do it. (laughs) And, you know, after being on Good Morning America for two decades, I get a lot of opportunities. And I'm the kind of person that says yes, and I take those opportunities. And Consequently, I just have had, really, Dottie, just, I'm so fortunate that I've just had the most fascinating life. Unbelievable. But I, but I have to say, you know, you take it like it's in stride. I mean, I mean, I, you know, I can't even imagine how you balance and you deal with work, life balance, being a mom of seven children and continually taking your career and reinventing it and reinventing it. And now you came up with a book called Why Did I Come Into This Room, which is a candid conversation about aging, which is something that really I feel women need to talk about. Well, women and men need to talk about more. And so I think you're really um, on the forefront of that because how did that, how did you come to, to decide to do that? Why did you write you know, the book? What year, made you... Years and years ago, I, I started writing, and I wrote a, a book uh, with a dear friend of ours, Laura Morton. And yes. I wrote a book called Healthy Cooking, and that followed then. It was a bestseller. And then Healthy Living, that was a bestseller. And, you know, I used to find that I'd write these books. they become bestsellers. And then this publisher comes back to you and says, write another one. And I remember looking at my agent, my book agent at the time, may you rest in peace, Al Loman, and I said, I don't know what I'm going to write. What do I write about next? I feel like I squeezed every thought out of my head in the last book. And he looked at me and said, you will always write about that which you want to know more about. And boy, was he right. Um, I was approached to do a book about children's nutrition, and I was, nobody in the public knew yet, but we were poised to have our first set of twins who are now just turning 19 in a couple of days. Wow. And so I went, so I said, sure. And I went in and co-authored this book, Growing Up Healthy. And all the way along the way, Dottie, I, I think, let me, let me go back. Back to that time in 1979, when I was sitting in the newsroom at Eyewitness News, and I got the call from my attorney saying, you were just made the offer to be the co-host of Good Morning America. And it was right before I was almost finished with my story for the news at 6 o'clock. And 20 minutes later, my gynecologist called and said, 
Congratulations, you're pregnant with your first child. Wow. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's like delight and dilemma all within a 20-minute span. And I remember I called my attorney back and said, will they still be good on this offer? He said, you know, Joan, ironically, last year a, a federal law was passed that companies couldn't discriminate against women for pregnancy. So they can't rescind the offer. And so I kind of, you know, nine months later, I had my daughter, Jamie, who's now 41. And I was I was scheduled to start as co-host in seven weeks. And I thought, like, what the hell do I do? I'm breastfeeding my child. And by the way, you (laughs) couldn't say breastfeeding on television back then. You couldn't say that. Yeah, it was a different time. No, yeah, it was a totally different time. But I figured... You know, my mom always said angels go in or go in where angels fear to tread, whatever that was. And I thought, all right, what the heck? I'm going to ask. No harm in asking. So I said, you know, I'm breastfeeding. May I bring the baby to work with me? And they wanted me in. They wanted my tush in that chair so bad in September for the lineup for the to announce the fall lineup that they said yes. And I don't know if they I'm sure, in fact, that they didn't know what they were saying yes to. But they had this huge <laughs> press conference right after the show on my first day. And they had the, they brought all these chairs into the studio and they served a little, you know, breakfast buffet. And the PR guys for the show said, whatever you do, do not talk about the fact that you have a baby upstairs, okay? Because these reporters are from Time and Newsweek and everywhere, and they'll like, you know, chew you up and spit you out. They'll think that you're not going to be able to pay attention to the job. I said, all right, all right. So now David Hartman, the host at the time, introduces me, and I say hello, and I open it up to questions. First question, Time Magazine. We hear you're bringing a baby to work. Tell us how you worked that out with ABC. And, like, I, my eyes dart to the back of the room where all the <laughs> ABC executives are. I had to answer the question, so I told them how I got it written into the contract that for as long as I needed, I could bring the baby to work with me. Second question. Newsweek magazine, this show travels the world. How will you deal with that? So, again, I had to say that ABC contractually has promised me that I can take the baby anywhere I go. And, by the way, 10 months later, I would take the baby to England with me, to London, for the royal wedding of Prince Charles and Diana. Wow. And she was just barely a year old. So. It became apparent to everyone in that room within the first five minutes that the story that day, the big story that day, wasn't just, you know, who's the next female to take over the co-host position. It was that a major corporation was allowing a woman to bring her baby to work. And in the ensuing months, I think we all started to come to realize that by talking about it and sharing my truth, sharing my this challenge as a woman, you know, trying to like balance these two things, that that so resonated with the audience. And I don't know if I understood this at the time, Dottie, but I think in that moment, I realized that if I share my authentic truth throughout life, that we all gain, all of us women gain when each one of us shares. You do it. You do it here on this radio show. If we share our challenge, nobody wants to know how perfect you are. They want to know how you deal with the, with the problems in your life and the challenges in your life. And I found that, you know, when I had gained a lot of weight and I needed to lose it, I shared it in that very first book, Healthy 
cooking. And then it was such a success that I started to realize whatever I'm going through in my life, you know, when I was leaving GMA and having to reinvent myself in front of millions of Americans, I wrote a bend in the road is not the end of the road. You just have to remember to make the turn. When I went through oh, breast cancer. Oh, I like cancer, that. Say that again. Uh, a bend in the that, road you know, is. Not the I end of that. the road. As long as you remember to make the turn. And I'll tell you, I was getting in the shower one morning. I was writing this book about change and dealing with change. And my husband walked in and said, just remember, Joan, as you face this new chapter in your life, you know, a bend in the road is not the end of the road as long as you remember to make the turn. And I thought, wow, he just gave me the title to my book. And, and you know, and when I was going through the breast cancer challenge, once again, Laura Morton worked with me and we wrote, had I known, you know, like had I known that less than 15% of women diagnosed with cancer ever had any family history, because I walked around the world thinking I was totally immune because I didn't know anybody in my family that had had breast cancer. And, you know, I was struck then by how a person who interviews all the experts all the time could be so wrong about something so important. So, you know, in the last couple of years, I thought, what am I, what do I want to know more about? I want to know how to age successfully. I want to know more about my body and my cells. I learned a lot when I was going through the cancer challenge. And I said, and we have to start talking about all the things that happen to us as we age, not just the hot flashes, not just the forgetfulness. How about the expanding waistline that just like overnight you have no waistline anymore? How about um, leaky bladders? How about loss of libido? How about painful intercourse? Like all these things that women are afraid to talk about, they're kind of like this taboo. And I said, I'm going to write a conversation starter. And I, and I remember Laura said, I don't have time to work with you on this book right now, which was, by the way, a fib. But she knew I could do it, and she was challenging me to do it on my she own. Does. She, and she, yeah, said, and she said, yeah, and she said, and she says, you're funny, by the way, and you've got to be funny when you're writing about leaky bladders and hot flashes. <laughs> and that was my big challenge, Dottie, was to give myself permission to just say, kind of, what the hell? I'm putting it all out there. <laughs> And well, you know, Joan, women relate. I read the book and I certainly related to it. And I thought to myself, you know, oh, I, I call it the invisible woman. And I think it's hard for women. Um, and I think it's so wonderful that you actually speak about it because it really is a real thing for women. And how, like I would say, oh, when you walk into a room and you're 25 or 30, you don't have to say much. And then as you get older, you know, Things start to change, and I was at a, some con a, some uh, conference of a, a magazine that was around maybe 20 years ago. And these girls that did the magazine told me, "Hey, you know what? When people apply, sometimes we write to be too old." So, how have you? Okay, we're going to continue this in a few, few minutes. I just can't say enough. I can't ask enough. Spring means new beginnings and growth. So let's get your business's seeds planted now with Salem Surround. Look, there's a lot of competition for your brand and the services you provide. But we want you to stand out. How? By making sure people find you faster and easier on the web. By helping you grow your positive online reviews. By bringing you the leads your business needs to thrive. 
Our team of media strategists are just like you. We live here, work here, and know the communities you're trying to reach. That's because we're local and here to serve you with boots on the ground and the know-how of a nationwide digital agency. At Salem Surround, we do it all, from digital audio to streaming television, SEO to paid search, social media and websites. We're media strategists, and we're proud of what we do. There's only one thing we're missing, you. Let's grow together. Visit SurroundNewYork.com. Surround New York, connecting you to new customers. Holland Christian Home is a Christian home for seniors, a place that will treat your loved one with kindness and respect. Located in North Haleden, New Jersey, Holland Christian Home is filled with fun activities, delicious meals, medical care, and more. Founded more than 125 years ago, Holland Christian Home provides the physical, social, and financial needs to care for seniors. Go to hchnj.org or call Charlotte at 973-807-3245. Call Holland Christian Home to discuss how they can care for your aging loved one with residential living a permanent life care program and respite care you'll have peace of mind that your mom or dad aunt or uncle friends and loved ones are in a warm and loving community daily chapel services are included hchnj.com or call 973-807-3245 holland christian home will care for your aging loved one with kindness and respect hchnj.org or 973-807-3245 holland christian home ask for charlotte Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. After driving ambition for 40 years in the United States, we believe Mitsubishi Motors now launches its most exciting lineup ever. Get thunderstruck by the all-new 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander. Get high style without the high price, plus an industry-leading 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Choose from a wide selection of trim levels in either front-wheel drive or all-wheel control, all featuring the flexibility of third-row seating. With special finance and lease programs, you'll be sure to find just the right Mitsubishi Outlander for you. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today. Just a short ride from anywhere in the metro tri-state area. Visit FreeholdMitsubishi.com. That's FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call 732-863-2788. 732-863-2788. Freehold Mitsubishi. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. And I'm so privileged to be here with Joan Lonson. Uh, she's been in my life pretty much my whole life. And she's her new book, Why Did I Come Into This Room? And it's we're in a society where youth is reverent and aging is feared. And she writes. I mean, this is good for every age, a guide for women of all ages. And as you said, aging isn't for sissies. So in this book that you wrote, okay, which I've read, as I said, twice, cover to cover, what do you, you know, what tips and what, what, what would you, what, you're going to have to come on again. It's too much to ask all in a half an hour, but <laughs> what sort of tips that you would share with Women, men, what are some of the tips in, in, in doing the, this book and how you maintain such a, a, huge, a wonderful family, a close family, and I understand your daughter works with you a lot now. How did you do it all? And what are the tips that you would be able to share with women and people of all and everyone? 
You know, I think the important thing is, I mean, like my husband kind of felt like I was writing a book for, you know, women in their 60s or 70s. And I said, I think women in their 20s and 30s should read this book so they know what's coming down the pike so that they understand their bodies and what is actually happening to our bodies. And by the way, much differently than men, because, you know, we're not just smaller sized men. We're very different biologically because we have estrogen. And as that estrogen starts to deplete, um, we go through all these different changes. And when you go through them and you, and we don't have an open discussion like this, and there's not a book like, why did I come into this room? You feel like it's just happening to you. You feel like it's just some health problem of your own. And that's a very scary feeling. And it's, and some of these changes are just annoying, like hot flashes, but a lot of them are also, you know, scary and embarrassing. So we don't seek out help when there is help for so many of them. Um, let, me, let me just give you, and for instance, it used to be that brain experts thought that we started to have brain a cognitive decline in our 60s because that's when it showed up. Well, they now know that it starts in our 30s. In our 30s. I, I didn't know that. You know, and there are things that we can do. So if you're in your 30s, you can start to do things to slow down that cognitive decline so you have a better, um, better health and a better life and more fun and you can be more active later on in life. And, you know, I mean, and what's the answer to that? I mean, you can challenge your brain by learning new things because that creates like these new little neurons up in your brain, but they also have to connect to the main system. And the thing that really you need to do is exercise. And I know everybody doesn't want to hear it, but when you exercise, you know, there's blood and oxygen and nutrients that also get pumped up there. And those neurons that are created are very adept at locking into the central system. So you can literally stave off cognitive decline, but it's better if you start doing it when you're in your younger years. So that's why I think it's so important for women to understand what's coming their way. I've had men write me on Facebook and say, you know, my wife got your book and she was laughing and laughing because I wrote it with a lot of sense of humor, as you know. And he said, it, he said it, and they said, now I read it and I understand my wife so much better now. And I loved that. You know, my husband walked into my office one day when I was in the middle of writing the book, and he looked at me, and, you know, he just said, what are you working on today, honey? And I said, I'm actually working on a chapter about leaky bladders, and I've learned so much from the experts I've talked to. And he looked at me quizzically, and he said, but wait, you're going to talk about leaky bladders? And I said, sweetie, the name of the chapter is I laugh so hard tears roll down my leg. And he just looked at me with this arched eyebrow like, you are getting yourself into trouble. And I said, sweetie, wait until the last chapter. That one is I want to be cremated. It's my last chance for a smoking hot body. And he like said, oh, my God, I hope you're not ending your career with this book. But quite the contrary. People love it when you're just honest about, hey, yeah, you're real. real. Like these things happen to me. So come on, let's all talk about it. And let's all and let me tell you about what all the experts told me about all the things that we can do about these issues. So what did they tell you? 
Well, for instance, um, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm one of those people that all of a sudden one day I looked down and said, where the hell did my waistline go? I used to have this like nice little waistline. So I learned from the experts that women have all through their lives, extra fat cells on their hips and thighs. And it's there for a reason. It's standing ready for us to have childbirth so that as your belly protrudes, these fat cells on the outside of your body kind of keep you your weight balanced. Well, the body's really smart, and it knows when you don't have enough estrogen anymore for childbirth. And it is programmed for those fat cells then to move off your hips and onto your abdomen. By the way, that's proof oh. positive, Dottie, that God has to be a man because no woman would have ever done that. Though. No woman would ever do that. <laughs> but here's, here's the important part. No, well, number one, that's important, too, so that you don't beat yourself up thinking that you did that, that you just ate too many Tostitos last year. A, that's what happens. B, our metabolism goes down every decade and so it becomes more difficult to lose weight. And then see the really important part. Now you've got all this fat on your belly. And any fat above your belly button is dangerous fat. And if it gets into your organs, then it's called visceral fat. So what you need to do is get yourself a tape measure and measure your waist. And that measurement, which shouldn't be more than 35 for a woman or 40 for a man, that's one of the most important numbers that we should know. They always tell you to know your numbers, your resting heart rate, your cholesterol level. Well, this is one of the important numbers because it can really predict um, the possible, the risk for type 2 diabetes and for cardiovascular disease. And yet, I don't know about you, but I've never had a doctor measure my waistline. A tailor, no, neither yes, have I. But never a doctor. And so neither have good I. news. Here's the good news. If you lose 8 to 10 pounds, you can reduce your waist circumference by an inch. So, wow. you know, I didn't want to just lay out problems and like yada yada talk about the problems. I wanted to find out what's the takeaway? What can we do about that problem? So you're saying if you lose 8 to 10 pounds, you're taking an inch off your waist. Yes, and that's, like, really important. And it becomes more and more difficult um, as we age to lose weight, unfortunately. So, you know, if you find yourself in your 50s or 60s and you've just, by nature of metabolism going down and therefore adding on 5 to 10 pounds, even though you're eating and exercising exactly the same as always, because that's just the truth, the name of the game, you got to, like, catch it early. Measure your waistline. Know what it is. It's a super important number to know. Joan, people have to read this book. It is absolutely, and I think it's great for all ages because I, I've always cared about what I look like. And I remember when I was about 38 and my doctor said, listen, you're, you're on borrowed time. You know, maybe you'll have the 40 or 45 and then, you know, you start. So we can't be perfect, but we can do everything that we can to feel good and look healthy. And as I said, the more you know and the earlier you know it, the better. How do we get this yep. book besides for Amazon? Please give us, because this is a book that well, I tell you, and I never recommend anything that I don't think is true. This is a must well, of course, Of course, everyone can get it on Amazon.com, but also check your local bookstore. 
because it's always nice for all of us to, you know, just um, give business to our local bookstores. Although, unfortunately, they're diminishing, which to me is so I sad. Know. But, you know, I know, I hate it. Um, you know, Dottie, we're living in a world right now that is aging. I mean, our entire population is aging. In fact, by what, by 2030, they say there will be far, far more people over 65 than under 18. So, you know, we're living longer and longer because medical science is learning how to keep us alive. But do you, and they say that young people today that are, that are teenagers will live to well over 100. And they say that the, the child who will live to be 140 has already been born. Now, I don't know if that's really exciting or incredibly daunting, but if we're going to be living all these extra years, we want to be as healthy as we possibly can be. And I'll tell you, there are three things that they say will predict how healthy we will age. And oh, well, those are staying engaged, staying engaged in life, having social connections, not just your daughter who comes to get you to take you to the doctor, friends. Friends that you're going to talk to, because when you're talking to people, you're engaging your brain, you're engaging your emotions, you're engaging your memory. And the last thing, and this one is you and I know very well, is to have a sense of purpose. And that doesn't mean you have to be a major entrepreneur like yourself or a broadcaster like myself. It can mean that you um, start gardening again and grow a ton of vegetables in your backyard I can, it can be whatever you what, whatever gets you up out of bed every day and plants your feet on the floor and gets you dressed and gets you out and gets you going and to have something to look forward to. That's really what that sense of purpose means. Uh, Joan, I, I, I can't. I, you have to come back. I, you really have to come back. Okay. It's so valuable. I, I, I could sit with you and talk about this for hours. I First of all, congratulations. You, you, you're like the perfect women. You balance a career, children. I don't even know how you do it. But I'm so in awe of you, and thank you so much. And please come back again so we can continue this conversation. Have a great weekend. Love you, Joan. Eye on Real Estate with Dottie Herman is sponsored by Citizens Bank N.A. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.